Remember when the Facebook whistleblower was featured on 60 Minutes, Sue? Oh, yeah. That and then the, the testimony. I thought that was a big, yes. Yeah, well, so remember my comment was, I don't nah, really care that much, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. I was, I was maybe supposed to care, but then I thought this is an interesting take, and I follow Robbie Suave and Reason Magazine quite a bit and have over the years because I like their libertarian stance. Robbie is with us tonight. He's got a new book called Tectanic, Why We Shouldn't Fear Facebook in the Future. And he's going to be featured this Thursday at the Show Me Institute and the Reason Foundation. They're doing an event. It has to be virtual. I don't think originally it was going to be to talk about his new book. He's with us tonight. Robbie, how are you? Welcome back to 97.1 FM Talk. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. So I shouldn't be where I'm going to just take your word for this, but I really I, I've had a little bit of trouble despite my issues with big tech. And of course, we've been at the center of that to a certain extent here in Missouri with Senator Hawley. So we followed these issues. But there's always been a bit of a part of me that has been somewhat uncomfortable with some of these complaints. And, and you're basically making the case that the case that Josh Hawley and some of the other folks in Washington make for breaking up big tech is weaker than ever. Yeah, that's right. I think more people should listen to that little inner voice of doubt. Uh, You know, there are definitely problems with social media. I take very seriously things that some people on the right have said about censorship and so forth. And, you know, I don't want kids uh, just totally addicted to their smartphones. I think obviously that can be bad. Any anything in excess can be bad. But like, let's put these problems in perspective a little bit. And also then the, the, the proposals to fix them, I wouldn't fix them at all. The proposals are terrible. So I mean, really universally against those. And just like the things we heard about, about addiction among, you know, among teenagers, I'm thinking, do you remember violent video games? Do you remember TV? Do you remember all of these other moral panics about new technology? They always proved to be a little stupid well, uh, or Tipper very Gore. Stupid yeah, I'm, I'm old enough to remember Tipper Gore in the, uh, you know, the terrible lyrics that I was listening to as a kid in the 1980s that were, you know, horrific as well. Yeah, it's, it's a lot like that. You know, I've looked at the data. The data isn't even that compelling. What the, what the whistleblower told us, it, you know, what she's come forward with, okay, yeah, some kids, um, after they use Instagram, they ha- they're having a negative time and they're having a, a negative emotional experience. Guess what? I bet you if you surveyed every school like, they would tell you sometimes that it gives them negative experiences, right? Because being a teenager is hard. Being a kid is, is, is stressful and depressing sometimes. And it doesn't mean that these technologies are universally making their lives worse. I think in a lot of ways it's probably made their lives more bearable for the last two years when we told everybody they had to shut themselves at home and never go outside and never see their friends and never do anything fun. They're probably better off that they had some way to communicate with friends. But we are told that Facebook in particular, it, it makes people hateful. And it, it certainly does. And we've seen and I'm not too crazy about Facebook. I mean, I think we all got on there just to see where the old uh, high school and college girlfriends were and then maybe drifted apart outside of posting some pictures of family members. But obviously, I've seen things during election cycles that are pretty distasteful up there. I'm pretty much a free market guy like you are. The genie is out of the bottle on a lot of this stuff. What can the government really do in the long run anyway? Yeah, it really it can't do much of anything. And I just, you know, there's I see some bad stuff on social media, too. You know, I, I think there's there's information that is hateful or extreme or wrong. But you know what? There's a lot of bad information in the mainstream media as well, the traditional media. A lot. And, and you know, a, a, like a lot of stuff. I think the New York Times pandemic coverage has been has been paranoid in, in terms of, you know, ma- wrestle a mask onto your two year old or they're about to die has been kind of the. The, the tenor of the paper of record and and everyone in the mainstream media who, who writes for it is hoping Facebook gets destroyed because they view Facebook as a competitor that, you know, that 
took away their ability to set the terms for what we would all be discussing. There's, there, there aren't guardrails on the conversation anymore. That has downsides, but it also has a lot of benefits. And I don't want to go back to some era where, you know, we, we only get to discuss the ideas that the Washington Post or, or cable news or whatever it is wants us to discuss. So, I think it's better if it's a, it's a free and open conversation. Yeah, so basically, would, would, would you touch it at all? Just kind of let the market do what it's doing? Yeah, I would let the market do what it's doing. I, I you know, if, if things can get a lot worse, and I, I'll be, I'll be pragmatic. You know, show me, show me, show me a big, horrible problem that we can't overcome on our own, and then tell me this is what you'd like the government to do about it. And if that sounds like a good idea, fine. I'm a libertarian, but I'm, I'm not going to be unreasonable. But we're not, we're absolutely not at that stage. And the thing, like breaking up, what, what is that going to accomplish? If we break yeah, I don't up know. And I'm so glad to hear you say this because it's been a little confusing to me. Even sitting through that testimony in the aftermath of the 60 Minutes story, and I, I thought it was interesting what she was saying. Clearly, she wanted to make a name for herself. But I wasn't as horrified by some of the descriptions, I guess, that some people were, especially in, in the media. And then I watched a fair amount of the testimony, and I never really heard anything in two days that was just shocking to me to the point where I felt well, we got to do something about big tech. Now, one of our senators, as I indicated, he feels very differently on these things. And even some Democrats have, have leaned in that direction, haven't they? Yeah, Senator Hawley is mostly concerned, I think, about what he describes as political censorship or censorship of conservatives on social media. And look, I have, I have criticized a lot of individual moderation decisions that have gone against Republicans. I think those were really stupid calls. I've criticized, you know, the Hunter Biden t- story takedown and so on and so forth. But on the whole, I think it's inarguable that social media has been good for conservatives. Like, if you look at what the top articles are on Facebook at any time, you're going to see stuff from Tucker Carlson, from Ben Shapiro, from Dan Bongino, from Breitbart, etc. You know, they, there's, there is more of an ability for, for non-liberal people to get their message out because of social media. So why you would want to, you know, you would shoot yourself in the foot. If you did something to harm that and go back, you know, to the era where the mainstream media, which really, which really hates Holly and everything he represents. Right. Why do you want to give those people more power? It makes absolutely no yeah. sense. To By me. the it's way, it, the most idiotic part of this entire sucks thing. for a guy like me, because I agree with you. I think it does give voices to conservatives that wouldn't have it because used to be just guys like me on the radio. And that was pretty much it. Yeah, right, right. It used to be it used to be a lot hard. I mean, think of the flourishing that has uh, has occurred. All these different right leaning news websites that are that are pulling in great traffic numbers. I actually understand why many Democrats want to destroy Facebook. It kind of makes tactical sense for them. I don't I mean, I don't agree with it, but they're, they're saying that th- these platforms have given power to people who disagree with us. So we should destroy them. How on earth they got people like Josh Hawley to agree that that's a good idea. It makes it makes less than zero sense to me. Robbie Suave is with us. He's a senior editor at Reason. So you've got an event coming up with um, the Great Show Me Institute here in St. Louis and the Reason Foundation, Tech Panic, Why We Shouldn't Fear Facebook in the Future is the name of the new book. It's a virtual event on Thursday. Can you give us any details? Yeah, I'll be talking about uh, uh, all of these issues and, and much more. I, I'm kind of just giving you the highlights, but there are, you know, I, I take on basically every argument you can construct for why we need to do something about big tech from censorship to addiction to terrorism and crime and sex trafficking and everything. And, you know, I'm, I'm just a libertarian guy who doesn't want to involve the government unless we actually have to. And on most of these things, I'm just I'm, I'm not seeing it yet. And I, I think it would we would benefit from some hindsight. So and I also talk about all the kind of previous moral panics involving technology. Did you know, for instance, The New York Times called for Alexander Graham Bell to be killed because uh, the, the phonograph was going to ruin society. Oh, I did not know. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a great little nugget. I did not know that. 
it, it's true of every every innovation in the communication space uh, has made us all lose our mind that everything's going to be worse, and then it usually turns out to be better. <laughs> so are you going to talk about um, some other things on Thursday as well? I know you've written a little bit, and, and something near and dear to my heart, especially lately, is cancel culture, just because of some of the nonsense out there with Chappelle and and others. Thoughts on the current state of that nonsense in this country? Yeah, that that nonsense is is worse than ever. Uh, I, I read about a lot of these cases of people getting in trouble, you know, and they run the gamut. Like Chappelle, he's going to be fine. He's powerful. He's funny. Netflix stood by him. He he, he can he weathers this sort of thing. You know, he's known for for this. Uh, I, it's still crazy that people who work for Netflix thought they would not they should do something about this. But uh, I'm really concerned about the people that don't have that much fame and ability to kind of leverage their weathering of cancel culture into something even more successful. Global people who get, who sometimes maybe they said something insensitive like 20 years ago when they were in high school, but now it's recorded on someone's phone or it's in a text or it lives out there forever. And then it resurfaces and they're, and they're in some moment of triumph to destroy them. I think it's really bad. We've, we're becoming so unforgiving, like so, so just, just cruel what we do to people and, uh, but again, that's not the technology. The technology makes it easier. That's on us. People need to just stop being such, <laughs> such jerks to each other and getting so offended over every little thing that it's worth destroying someone's yeah, life. We talk about the Constitution a lot and, and what, what's in the Constitution, what's not in the Constitution. But there's no constitutional right to not be offended, right? If you're offended, tough. Suck it up. It's, it's not that big of a deal. And it's amazing how sensitive people are. And it worries me, just as a guy who talks on the radio and has for, you know, 40 plus years now that I've and I've said this last summer in the aftermath of George Floyd in particular. People ask me this question all the time. Are you ever worried about what you say or do your bosses tell you what to say? They, they really don't, nor have they ever. You know, there's suggestions that are made, certainly when it comes to tone. But I've never been so afraid as the last year, year and a half about just saying something that might be innocuous and losing my job or being canceled myself. Yeah, and you have to be afraid not of things you might say tomorrow or next year, but things that are in the past that you might not remember that are somehow saved or recorded somewhere. Everyone has said things they regret. My God, when I was a teenager, I'm sure I said some offensive things that I would, that I would regret. Every person has had that experience. But now, now we punish people in the future for it. And it's just, it's, it's, it's not good. It's not healthy. It's not good for anyone. It's unforgiving. It's, uh, it's, it, and it, it's hurting Again, real people, people, you know, working people, people who, who, who do not mean harm to anyone, but we're just we're, we're setting the, the bar so high that no one can pass it. Do you think that maybe I'm, I'm just going to kind of be and I'm not very optimistic, Robbie, but I'm going to be a little optimistic because for the first time in a while, I think in the past couple of months, maybe three, four months, I've seen more pushback, for example, from people in academia. I talked about Barry Weiss and, and Substack earlier this afternoon and some of the things that she's doing featuring some of these guests, people in academia that have been attempted to be canceled. And I'm seeing some members, some people who are on the left, even the Bill Mars have started to speak out just a little bit about the nonsense. So there are maybe some voices that are standing up to say enough is enough. Oh, there absolutely are. It, because actually people on the left uh, who are kind of an, of an older school of the left, your Bill Maher free speech type, even older ACLU type people. I mean, free speech used to be a cardinal value of the left. So many of them are actually afraid of like the new woke left. The, 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 I, I can't tell you how many left professors I have talked to who are Marxists, right, who disagree with me on everything, but they tell me they're terrified of their students. They are terrified of their very far-left students, and uh, and they were afraid to speak out, but they're increasingly speaking out.
Are you going to talk uh, at the event this weekend about police reform a little bit? This has been obviously, you know, here in the St. Louis area with Ferguson being ground zero. We have a defund the police uh, mayor. We have a prosecutor who's not really prosecuting criminals right now. And it's a bit of a crisis with crime in this situation in St. Louis as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a big supporter of criminal justice reform. I, I want people not to serve uh, the, the people serving long sentences for nonviolent crimes or drug related crimes. I want that reformed. Obviously, we had bipartisan national uh, effort on that front, uh, Democrats and President Trump on board. Um, that said, you know, crime is certainly a, it's a problem that the government needs to solve uh, it there. It has gotten worse in some respects in some cities. Um, especially uh, recently, and I don't think um, I don't think calls to defund the police um, are, are helpful at all, or, or the way to go. And I also think I also think casting pol- the problems with policing, and there are problems. I criticize a lot of <laughs> policing activity. I think casting it as an explicitly and solely racial issue has probably done the criminal justice reform movement harm because it's really it's really not. You can I mean these you can be the victim of aggressive policing. Uh, and people are, no matter what race you are. And I, I think it probably turned off winnable conservatives by making it a race issue. And then it's like, you're a racist if you don't agree with me, rather than like a problem of unaccountable government, which is how I always, how I framed it in my advocacy well, to, uh, look, to people I was trying to bring on board. I have made the case, I, I don't know if you have it reason, but, but I could probably make a pretty strong case for Derek Chauvin, uh, that situation not having to do anything with race. Right. Right. Well, even I mean, like George Floyd, it was, and it, what happened was horrible. It should it's it, I'm glad that the cops held accountable. But it was is there evidence that it was racially no, motivated? No, or we're just saying that, was, that it was every it was, every interaction between a black and a white, if it's negative, I don't I don't buy that. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think a lot of people do. Robbie Suave, who is the senior editor at Reason Magazine, uh, I'm guessing the show me folks sent me some information. Is there still an opportunity to register for the event on Thursday? That's right. Yep. And it'll be virtual. So uh, everyone is welcome to uh, you don't have to you know, leave your couch. Uh, but please, please tune in. We're going to talk about all this and a lot more. Where's the just go to the Show Me Institute website. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or you can follow me on Twitter. I've tweeted a lot about it. My name at Robbie Suave. Yeah. Why don't you spell your name? Because that's not exactly the <laughs> easiest. You know, I, I can't even imagine the number of pronunciations that you've had over the years. By the way, from radio hosts like me introducing you probably too, Robbie Suave. Solve. I mean, you have to get everything right. Uh, usually, I tell them what it is, and then they go, "Oh, just like uh, Rico Suave." And I've heard that a trillion times. R O B Y S O A V E. S O A V E. Robbie, thank you so much. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of reason and the libertarian principles. Keep up the good fight. Have fun with the show me to do this week. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take, Take care. care. Five forty-three.